Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Just think about heaven like when there's billions of people doing what we were just doing, all with one heart, all one accord, just worshiping him. Um, oh, I got like 17 things I want to talk about right now. <sighs> because um, you know, Dylan was talking about purity and power, and 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 we were singing "Holy, Holy." You know, there's no one like you. You're holy, and um. I was thinking about in Peter, First Peter, um, I think chapter one. Let's find it real quick here. I think it's verse sixteen. Um, he's talking to the church. He's writing to the church, and he says this. He says, "As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance." But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You know, that was an Old Testament prophecy that he quoted there. And I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we can read that as a challenge. You have to be holy because he's holy. But I think that what God was declaring in the Old Testament through the prophet was, there's a day coming, you shall be holy, for I'm holy. And then Paul writes, we talk about it a lot. I just don't think we can get this enough in our thinking. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And I, I, don't, I don't know that we can hear it enough. But we say this verse a lot, but it's, he says, and don't you know that you're his temple and his temple is holy and that is what you are. So we have the prophecy in the Old, Te- Old Testament that there's a day coming when God says to his people, you shall be holy for I am holy. And then it's fulfilled in the new covenant when we're in Christ. And he says, you're his temple. And his temple's holy and that's what you are. And Peter says, so let your behavior be holy because you're holy as he is holy. In other words, it, it, you're not trying to become holy through holy behavior. And he says, I'm going to go with this for a minute, and we'll see where it ends up. Maybe we'll preach like four little mini messages. Um, he says, as obedient children, not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. He says, listen, there was a time when you didn't know any better. And I'm not saying you didn't know it was wrong. I'm saying maybe there was a time when you didn't realize that you could actually live free. Maybe the ignorance wasn't that I didn't know it wasn't okay. Maybe the ignorance was I didn't know that I could be okay. That I actually could be free. 
I thought that for the rest of my life, I would be a slave to sin. I would be a slave to this thing. I would be who I had always been. And, and you know, sometimes we, we feel like maybe we're even entitled to certain sins in the churches. We've got to be really careful with this stuff, you guys. It's been on my heart really heavily lately, and I've just, it's brought me to my knees in praying that we don't start saying that certain sins are okay because people are born that way. Because, listen, every one of us is born with a propensity towards sin. Every one of us is born into sin. That's why we have to be born... Again, he says, you were born of corruptible seed, but you've been born again through incorruptible seed. In other words, you were fathered the first time by a man, and the sin of Adam was what you were born into. You had to be born again, this time by the Spirit of God, into the second Adam, into Christ. And if you think that you're the same person born into sin as you are born into Christ, then you'll live as the same person who was born into sin as you were when you were born into Christ. And it'll be an ignorance And then your life will fulfill what you believe because you'll say, I can't be free, so you won't be free. And then when you're not free, you'll point to the lack of freedom and say, there's the proof that what I believe is true. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's ignorance. Because there's there's nowhere. In fact, you read so many times, you read through Romans, and it is so clear over and over again. You were this, and now you're that. He says you're a slave to righteousness. That means if you have to obey one voice without any choice, it's righteousness. What does that mean? It means that you have to choose to sin. You're no longer a slave to it. A slave doesn't choose. A slave does what its master tells them, whether they want to or not. That's what you were born into. And and we got to be careful that we don't start justifying things and saying, well, I was born this way. Listen, you were born messed up. Don't ever let that be an excuse to stay the way that you were born because you were born messed up. That's why you had to be born again. So, so I was talking to someone one time and they were telling me, um, and, and it was actually, uh, and I'm, we're not making this a pet sin, but this is the one the church is being so tempted to, to legitimize because it's, it's homosexuality. People say, well, I was born this way. And then the church argues with them and says they weren't. And as soon as you start to tell them that they weren't, they, you've lost credibility with them because they know that they were born with a desire for homosexuality that wasn't taught to them. We tell people, oh, you had to be taught that. No, they didn't have to be taught that because they were born into Adam. They were born into sin. And the church has to be careful that we don't mix this stuff up and get our theology straight so that we realize, no, they really were born that way. That's not how they were intended to be from the beginning, but sin happened. And now every man was born into sin, which is why every man has to, I'm going to keep saying that because we have to understand there's two different births. There's the born into sin, there's the born into Christ, and the life in either of those should look drastically different one from the other. And so we, the church, what, what happens is if we're not careful because we think that, well, if they were born that way, then that means that they must, God must have wanted them that way. You were not born the way God wanted you to be. The first man was created in the image and likeness of God. He lost the image of God when he sinned. And now every man is born with the potential to bear the image of God, but every man born doesn't bear his image. You're born into Adam. You bear the image of the first Adam. You bear the image of sin. And that's why you have to be born again so that you can actually bear the image of Christ. Every man is in his likeness. You'll find the word likeness found in the New Testament. You won't find image in the New Testament. And thus, it's talking about the original creation of Adam. Come on. You're born with the potential to bear the image of God, but you must be born again to bear his image. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, your father's the devil. We think that's harsh. They said, Abraham is our father. He's not telling you right now, your father is the devil. When you speak, you speak like he does. 
His native tongue is lies. Everything he speaks is a lie. And so when the church comes on and says, no, you weren't born that way. Yes, they were born that way, but here's the deal. That doesn't mean it's okay to stay that way because every one of us was born with a propensity towards sin. Some of us have a different sin that we're pulled towards, and some of us have a bunch of them we're pulled towards. But every one of us was born with a pull towards that. That's why you were a slave to sin. You didn't even have to choose it. You did what it told you to do because you were a slave to it. When my little son was in the nursery, when he was 18 months old, he got bit on the cheek by a little boy so hard it drew blood. Nobody taught that little kid to bite kids' faces. He was born that way. And nobody ever told him, it's okay, because you were born that way. At some point, someone had to love him enough to say, even if you were born with that desire, that's not what God created you or intended you for. And there's a better way to live. If you're born again, he'll actually put the desires of his into your heart. You go from being a slave to this sin where you do what it tells you to do without thinking to becoming a slave to righteousness where you actually have to choose to disobey to sin. You had to choose to disobey your master to do what was right before you were born again. Before you were born again, the best you could possibly do is act holy. You weren't holy. There was nothing that you could do. There wasn't enough good you could do to become holy. Does everybody agree with that? You couldn't work your way into holiness. It wasn't possible. So the best you could do before you were born again is to act like you were holy. The worst you can do once you're born again is act like you're not. Come on. Otherwise, we're attaching more power to the sin of the first Adam than the obedience of the second. Think about this. You were made a slave to sin by the disobedience of Adam. That's what the Bible says. You were made slaves to righteousness by the obedience of Christ. And if we're not careful, we'll give more significance to the disobedience of Adam than we do to the obedience of the second Adam of the Christ. Come on, this is foundational. If we get this, everything changes. Because you no longer will accept anything in your life that he died for you to be free from because you'll never once again fall for the lie that says, that's just the way that I am. No, it's the way that you were. And it's why he had to die and why you have to die so that you can be born again into the image and the likeness of God. Fathered by spirit. Think about this. How was Christ formed the first time? We talked about this at Christmas time, I think. If we didn't, we should have. But he was formed the first time by the Holy Spirit coming upon and inside of a human being and starting and beginning a life inside of them. Then it was brought to fruition, presented Christ to the world. Then we are all made to drink of one spirit. This is all scripture. For you were made to drink of one spirit. In other words, what? The spirit of God came inside of you when you were born again and created new life inside of you, that when it comes to fruition and it's presented to the world, it looks like Jesus. That's what he wants to do with you and me and every one of us. Why? Because as the Father sent him into the world, so he also sent us. And he said, I came to reveal the Father. And if Jesus is the perfect representation of the nature and the likeness of the uh, character of God, then that means that he intended for us to be a representation of the nature and the character of God. Because we're here for the same reason that Jesus was. What? I came to reveal the Father. But you have to realize this. You have to be born again. And now once you're born again, you can still have ignorance. And this is what Peter's talking about. There, there might have been people that didn't know they were doing wrong. But I promise you, more people know what they're doing wrong before they get born again than don't. I don't think the problem is, is that there's people out there that really think it's okay to steal. 
that really think it's okay to kill people, that really think it's okay to, to sin. I, most people, the laws of nature even contradict that. You're born into a secular society that tells you that's wrong. Long before you were born again, you learned you don't hit. You go to preschool, no one taught the kids to hit. Nobody told them, listen, it's okay for you to hit people because nobody taught you to hit. You were, hit, you were hitting people long before anybody taught you. So you're a hitter. This sounds so silly when we apply it to other sins, but there's certain sins that we're being tempted as a church to legitimize and say is okay because we use that same logic on it. we got to be really careful with that because if you follow that logic out, that means anything a child does before they were taught is the way that God wanted them to be, and it must be okay because God would not have created them that way if he didn't want them to be that way. When all that stuff goes away in one simple like you just explain that, and, and, and suddenly it delegitimizes that whole thing. Rather than trying to tell them, no, you weren't born that way. No, you just agree with them. I fully believe you were born that way. That's why you must be born again. But I don't think when Peter's writing this, when he says this, I got to pull it back up. Can we pull that, put that on the screen, Lefty? It's First uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 14 to 16, I think. Yeah. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours. It's not yours anymore. You realize that, that the things that drew you before you were born again, they're not yours. It says they were yours. I learned a real simple le- uh, uh, lesson with that one time with my wife. Every year in the fall, I would get allergies that got worse and worse, and they were debilitating to the point where I had to get steroids. I had to, I would, there would be days where I couldn't even go in and work. Because my, I had allergies so badly that my eyes would swell up almost shut. I couldn't breathe hardly. I would lay on the couch with a hot rag on my face and just be miserable when the ragweed was in full bloom. And I had ragweed allergies. And, and I remember one day I was complaining to her and I said, my allergies are killing me. And she said, do you like those things? I said, no. She said, I'd probably stop calling them yours then. <laughs> but it was profound to me because I realized, how many things do we just say are ours? In ignorance. So he's writing this, and listen, he says, um, he says in, in verse 14, um, he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. In other words, you may have been ignorant that it was wrong, or you may have been ignorant that it's no longer yours. But either way, living the way you were lived, you lived before you were born again shows ignorance. And it's not that no one ever told you, maybe. Because how many of you guys know, people can tell you things all the time. If you don't believe it, you're still ignorant of the truth. Because it only changes you when you know the truth and actually believe the truth. Jesus said, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth doesn't set you free until you know it. You actually believe it. And that means if I believe it, then I live by it. Which means if anything presents itself in a way that comes against that, I have to reject it. So he says, these were yours. These were your former. Could you just keep that up on the, on the, on the back screen? It'd be awesome. Yeah. As obedient children, because my phone keeps shutting off. It's in low battery mode or something like that. And I have to keep unlocking it. And... As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance. And he goes on and he says, but like the Holy One who has called you, Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. The 
because it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. He says, listen, there's a promise out there that you'll be holy because he's holy. What does that mean? Like we read these verses sometimes and if we're not careful, we just read over them and leave them alone and be like, well, whatever. I mean, it will be holy as he is holy. But he says, for you shall be holy. Peter thought this was important enough that this was the first letter he wrote to the church. And this is in the first few sentences of him writing. In other words, Peter sat down to write this letter, inspired by the Spirit of God, and there's some things he wants to make sure that the church knows. And one of the very first things he comes to is this. It's probably important. It's probably a big deal. It's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He says, listen, guys. There was a time when you were ignorant, and there's these former lusts that were yours, they're no longer yours anymore. You know what? Understanding that simple concept is so freeing from so many things that trouble us. Because you realize that's no longer mine. That no longer belongs to me. That may be who I was, but it's no longer who I am. And that doesn't mean that that thing's not going to try to spring up and try to find a way back in. Listen, the devil's always looking for a way. Remember he came to Jesus? He tempts Jesus, it says, and he left him alone again until an opportune time. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, he didn't just leave him alone and go away. He left him alone until he thought that he was in a position where he could actually come to him and be effective against him. And so just because you've been free from something for a long time doesn't mean it will never pop back up. But here's the thing. The longer you walk believing that it's not yours, the more you're able to see when something that doesn't belong to you starts to spring up before it even gets to the point that it used to. And you no longer find yourself in that place where you used to find yourself because you see it for what it is before it even gets there. Come on. But if you think it's you, and you just accept that, and that's just the way it is. Come on, how many times do we legitimize sin and say, well, you know, everybody has struggles? No, everybody faces things. But that doesn't mean you have to struggle with it. Come on. He said, in this world, you'll face trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. And where are you? Well, according to the New Covenant theology that was given to Paul, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. At the right hand of the Father. You're in Him. So in this world, you may face things, but take heart because He's overcome the world and you are in Him, which makes you what? An overcomer. You have to be. The only thing you can do is choose not to live that way. It doesn't change who you are. It just changes the fact that life is going to be really hard when you decide to not live in the fullness of what was paid for. Because now you'll be in the worst place ever. Because you won't even, you're no longer ignorant. You can't even enjoy what you used to enjoy. And you know that you don't have to, so you know that you're choosing to. And you can't even enjoy it anymore because you don't even have the excuse that this is just the way I am. No, it's the way you were. And now you've been born again into Christ. Yet you've become partakers of the divine nature. (laughs) You were born into the nature of the God of this world. It's why no one had to teach you these things. In fact, the fact that somebody says that they battled with something since they were young just means they're human. Because you were born that way. Of course you were. You were born into sin. You you weren't born anything close to what you were supposed to be. 
Because if you, if, you if you were close, you could have just been tweaked. Think about it. If you were so close to how God wanted you, you just had one little tweak, you didn't have to be born again. You wouldn't have to die. Jesus destroys that whole thing because he actually was born perfect. If anybody could have just been tweaked a little, it would have been him. Why? Because he originally started perfect. That means he could have been returned back to perfect if anybody could have. And yet, what was the only way out for Jesus when he became the sin of the world? It's death. I know some people, it sounds hard for them to believe that, but he actually became sin. And once he became sin, just like when you and I were born, we were born in sin, born into sin, born of corruptible seed. You guys, do you, is everyone, are we tracking? Okay, I, if I need to slow down, I will, but listen to me, okay? Because I feel like this is, I, I had no, no intentions of preaching this. I have a whole awesome message that was so ready to preach about our communication and how it started pure and got perverted. And I, we want to talk about that soon, so probably next week. But, but, but you need, we need to get this because, listen, what we have, we give. And if we don't understand these things, what we pass on to people could be part of their ignorance. And now we're making concessions for things rather than giving people reasons why they can be free. Now we're accommodating things rather than telling people there's a better way to live. And this isn't in a condemning way. We're not going to people and saying to them like, hey, don't live that way because, you know, you're going to go to hell. We're not saying, listen, Peter's writing this to the church. He's writing this to people. He's letting them know, listen, you guys, you got to understand something. There was a time when you did these things out of ignorance. There was a time when, when, when these lusts that were formerly yours were the things that controlled you. But now you need to become holy in your behavior because you've been made holy because there's a promise that you shall be holy as he is holy. And that promise was fulfilled in Jesus coming and giving his life so that we could be born again, new creations, and live forever, never die, why? Because we've already died. All we do now is pass from this reality into the next, which is more real than the one that we see. There's no death for the Christian. There's no death. Why? Because you chose to die here on earth. Once you die, though you die, you, you, though you sleep, you'll never die. You actually live forever. This is eternal life, that they would know you, the one true God, and believe in the Son whom you've sent. What does true life begin? The minute you know who he is, why he came, and who you are in him. Eternal life begins that moment. It doesn't end. We just go from one reality to the next. And what is temporary is torn away, ripped away. And that's, I feel like what, when, that's what happens when, when, when a Christian dies, when a Christian is dead. What happens to them is it's just this fake stuff is ripped away and reality is revealed. And we see what really has been all along. And we see him for who he is. And we see him face to face. And that's why they worship in heaven. Because now we see dimly through a glass but then we see fully. Of course we worship. We can't stop worshiping now hardly here on earth when we barely dimly see through a glass, never mind when we see him as he is. And when we see him, we'll be like him. Isn't that amazing? So everywhere that you see Jesus now is an opportunity for you to become like him. So when you open the word and you see him, you can actually become like him. So when you see Jesus, be compassionate to people who mistreat him, you can actually become like him in that because you've seen Jesus there. Now that can change you to where you can become that. Come on, everywhere you see Jesus is a place you can become like him. 
Isn't that amazing? This is all scripture. I know I'm not quoting all the verses. I promise you they're in there. And I'm not just like pulling them out of context and saying, you know, right before it it says something that contradicts me and right after it says something that contradicts me. You got to be careful. People could do that. You could take two verses and you could really twist up scriptures. So I'm going to take the whole council, make sure that everything backs itself up. Uh, You could say, David saw Bathsheba and lusted for her. David was a man after God's own heart. God's heart for David was for him to lust. Come on. We're not doing that. We're taking the whole counsel of Scripture and saying, listen, this is what it says over and over again, over and over again. Dead to sin, alive to Christ, former self, put off your old self, put on Christ. You were, now you are. You ha- those who are in Christ have crucified their flesh with its lust. Have crucified, not, not do crucify or, or will crucify. It says, have crucified. He says, these former lusts that were yours, what are lusts? They're desires that were never supposed to be there that are perversions of the de- desires that always were supposed to be there. That's all they are. That's it. You see it for what it is and you realize it's just a perversion because the devil can't create anything. All he can do is pervert what was created. So God puts a desire for man to be with woman. Why? Because he said it's not good for man to be alone. What does that mean? It means every single man that was born from that point forward would have a desire for a woman and every single woman would have a desire for a man. And God said it's not good for them to be alone. You realize that was before sin? Saying I don't need anybody I have a friend who says that, and I understand what he's saying, but be careful. That doesn't mean, like, well, I'm, it's just me and Jesus. Because, listen, God saying it's not good for man to be alone wasn't a result of the fall. Now, that was actually before the fall, when man was in perfect relationship with the Father, walking and talking with him. And so even though he had all of God with him in the garden, and he had intimacy with the Father, unhindered by sin, by self, by anything. He was completely unhindered in his relationship with God. God looked at him in that state before sin and said, it's not good for man to be alone. That doesn't mean it's never good to be alone. It means that you need other people in your life because it's not good for you to be alone. Jesus would take time to go be alone with the Father, and then what would he do? He would return and be with people. You think about it. Oh, I'm going to get into that message, and I don't know. I don't have time. I, uh, all right. I know. I, I love this stuff because, honestly, this is the stuff that set me free. This is the stuff that actually changed my life was understanding that my life could be changed. You realize that if you believe that you have to live in sin, you're living by faith, and you're sinning by faith because your faith is in the fact that you have to do it. Come on. Everybody lives by faith. It's just what you're putting your faith in. And some people, by our, our theology, if we're not careful, have a lot more faith in the sin of Adam than we do the obedience of Christ. Because we live our lives pointing constantly to the sin of Adam rather than living our lives po- constantly pointing to the obedience of Christ. Come on, if you're going to pick one to make your model and follow after and say that's the life that he came for us to live, pick the second Adam, yeah. the last Adam. Why? Because he came to show what, what a man could do walking in right relationship with the Father. So he, for a time, set aside his deity. It says that in your word. It says he made himself a little lower than angels for a time. People hate this because they're, well, you're saying Jesus isn't God. No, he was always God, but he set that aside and did what he did apart from his deity as a man because it says for a time he made himself lower than the angels. That's in the word. What's lower than angels? I promise you it's not God. I promise you, God's not lower than the angels. What is a little lower than angels? What was a little lower than angels? Humanity. But now, 
when talking about Jesus in Hebrews, it says, for to which of the angels did he ever say, come and be seated at my right hand? He said, because of his obedience, he exalted him, gave him a name that is above every other name. He says he made him to come and sit at his right hand. And he says, angels are envious of the position that Jesus has. For to which of the angels did he ever say, come and be seated at my right hand? But then Paul goes on later and tells us that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, meaning what? We have a seat next to, to, to God in Christ that is the envy of angels. But for a time, before man was born again, before you could actually be in Christ, humanity was lower than the angels. But Jesus came and redeemed the human race. This is all in your Bible. That's why Paul says, listen, you're acting like mere humans. He says that to the church. He says, there's all this stuff going on. You're acting like mere humans. What's he saying? You're acting like human beings apart from the Spirit of God living in them. Because when you become born again, the Spirit of God comes to live in you. You're no longer just a mere human. So that whole excuse, well, I'm just a man, doesn't work anymore. Because Paul looked at them and said, here's your behavior But look what he says. He doesn't say, why are you mere humans? He doesn't say, why have you become mere humans? He says, why are you acting? Why are you playing a part? That word there is actor. Why are you acting? What does an actor do? He portrays something that he's not. He plays a part that really isn't him. Every time you watch a movie and you see people doing things, it's not who they really are. I have news for people. Like, Robert Downey Jr. is not really Iron Man. He's an actor. i never seen the movie, but I know that much. <laughs> I was struggling there for a second. I was trying to remember who it was that plays that. <laughs> but that's not really who he is. He's just playing a part. He's just acting. People looking, watching the movie might look at him and think, he's Iron Man. But at the end of the day, he's really Robert Downey Jr. People looking at these people's actions might have thought they were just mere humans. But at the end of the day, they're actually not mere humans. They're filled with the Spirit of God, partakers of the divine nature, seated with Christ in heavenly places above and not beneath, the head and not the tail, more than overcomers. That's who they are. They're just playing a part. They're just acting. They're acting like mere humans, but it's not who they really are. Gosh, that's really good. (laughs) Because if we get this, then we'll never again fall for the lie that says you have to live less than Jesus came and modeled and demonstrated. Because that's why it says that we are all without excuse. Come on. If I'm just a human was an excuse, you wouldn't be without excuse. You'd have one. It says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, for ignorance. And Peter says, you acted that way because of your ignorance. I wonder how many of us live the way that we live because of ignorance. Because no one ever told you you're no longer a mere human. Because no one ever told you that you're no longer a slave to sin. You're actually a slave to righteousness. Because no one ever told you that you're his temple 
and his temple is holy, and that is what we are. But it's true. If we get our heads around that, we'll live far better on accident than we ever could on purpose. When our faith was in the pull of the old Adam, rather than the drawing of the new Adam. Because here's the thing. If you think that's who you are, the whole time you're not being that, you're aware that at some point you're going to return to that. So you're doomed anyways in your own mind, and you're condemned in your own mind. And even if you're doing good for a little while, you're only doing good. You're not actually good because you know that that's who you are, and at some point you're going to turn back to that. That's why I hate addiction programs that teach people the first thing they have to say is, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm an addict. And they teach you you're an addict for the rest of your life. No, you may have been an addict. But get set free by the Son of God, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on. And, and, and people would say, well, you know, that's picking at words. No, it's not. That's actually picking at, at, at something that's really important because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So why are we surprised when people, and we talk to people about this, but, that run drug rehabs and they tell us, well, you, the success rate is so low. Oh, really? You teach people they're an addict and then you're surprised when they act like one? I'm shocked anyone stays free. Because if you think that's who you are, eventually you'll live like that. This is why over and over again, Paul tried to teach us who we are in Christ because he realized this. If you think that's who you are, eventually you'll live like that. And it works both ways. So no, you're not an addict. If you are, get set free. And once you're free, you're free indeed. That's not a prideful thing. That's saying I'm going to agree with his word rather than speak something out of my mouth that doesn't. Well, you know, I was just talking to a guy about this the other week, and he said, it was, it was awesome. It really was. There's this guy. Uh, we were working here Friday and Saturday last week, and uh, I was outside cutting some boards, and this, this young guy walked up, and he said, hey, is there a pastor here? I said, hey, what's up? And he said, uh, I'm just wondering if you guys have any food. And I said, yeah, we, we, we do have food. I said, I don't have any money, but I have food. He's like, I don't. If you gave me money, I'd just go buy food. So if you have food, I would like that. And I said, okay. Because you know, a lot of people ask you for food wanting you to give them money because they understand if you ask for money, you probably aren't going to give it to them. We've just been told that by a lot of the, the homeless people. And so I said, yeah, we've got food in the, in the kitchen. Luckily, we have all our breakfast stuff in there. So we went in there, and, and this dude was hungry. And he started eating cold bagels like they were going out of style. And I'm like, hey, you could toast those. He's like, man, I'm not wasting time toasting. He's like, you don't understand. I, I'm hungry. And I was like, okay. And he heated up sausage in the microwave and just ate a bunch of food. And when he got done, he said, what are you guys doing? I said, we're actually going to be working all day. And he said, I'd love to help. And I said, awesome. And, um, and he stayed until 8 o'clock that night when we finished. And I brought him to the mission. And he said, I'll be back in the morning. And I said, okay. And um, he said, I'm not sure what time the bus starts running, but as soon as the bus starts running, I'll be there. And I was going to offer to pick him up, but I thought, you know what? I actually want to see if he actually will, will do what's necessary to, to get there. And sure enough, 9.30 the next morning, he came walking through the door. Worked all night until 8 o'clock, 8.30 that night when I brought him back. And I was talking to him, and he was telling me about the rehab he had been in. Um, he, he's not here today because he actually he got a job. Um, that was Saturday. Sunday, he got a job. Yeah. He's working at a Burger King, but, but he's working every day. And, uh, and I've been talking to him off and on. He's going to come up to the church when we do some more stuff because he said, I, I just want to come and be around you guys. And uh, he kept saying that over and over again. He's like, man, I haven't met people like this before. 
And um, he actually asked, like, what religion we are after a while. I thought, it's weird. I think he meant denomination, maybe, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, but anyways, but I was talking to him as I brought him back to the mission that night, and, and um, he was talking about, you know, his struggle with drugs, and I had shared with him my story of, of being set free. And, and he said, yeah, he's like, you know, I, I, I was staying at a house with a guy, and people started coming over doing drugs, and he said, and I had to get out of there. That's why I've been homeless for the past couple of days, because I'm not strong enough to be around that and say no. And he goes, because, you know, I'm always going to be an addict. That's what rehab taught him. And look, I'm not saying don't flee from it. Flee from it. If, you, if, you're, if you're in a place where you can't be around it without wanting to give into it, be honest with yourself and get away from it, right? Flee from temptation. That's awesome. I, I, I applaud him for that. But the problem is, is that the mentality of I will always be an addict means that there's never a time where you have something in you that's greater than what that has in it. And you've got to understand that. Listen to me. You've got to understand that's no longer who you are. You were that. If you still are, then you need to get set free by the Son and be free indeed. But that's no longer who you are. And as a man thinks in his heart, so, will, so is he. So in other words, it really doesn't matter, honestly, what the Bible says about your freedom, if you don't believe it, whatever you believe is what you'll live by and put your faith in. So if your faith is in addiction, you'll live like an addict, and then you'll confirm it when you continue to act that way. Now you have a self-fulfilling prophecy. It says, see, I'm, all, I'm an addict. I'll always be an addict. And I know this because I acted like an addict yesterday, even though I didn't want to. So that's who I am, further solidifying that that's who you are, further putting your faith in addiction rather than in freedom, putting your faith in the enemy rather than in Jesus, and every time you live that way, it'll confirm to you that that's who you are, and it'll grow stronger and stronger in your heart, and at some point you owe it to somebody that believes in Jesus and the freedom that he paid for on the cross, owes it to you to come to you and say, he didn't shed his blood for you to be any less than free, Period. You do what you have to do in the meantime, but you try, I promise you this, don't make the goal to manage it. Because you'll never do that. Because you're either free or you're not. There's not a middle ground. You, if you, you, don't, you don't let a snake stay in your bedroom and think, well, it's okay, it's just in the corner. I promise you, you cut its head off and get rid of it. Because the longer you entertain it, the, longer the, the more chance there is that it's going to bite you, and one day it will bite you. You were set free. It was for freedom that you were set. It was to be free that you were set free. That's what Paul's saying. This is, you guys, it's, these scriptures make so much sense when we understand this. He says, it was for freedom's sake that you were set. He's saying, you were set free so you could be free. Not set free so you could return to the cage. Not set free so you could return to a trap. He says, you were set free so that you could actually be free. Now stay in that freedom. So I just, I'm going to close with this. I just want to know, is there anybody here that would say maybe in ignorance you believed that you couldn't be free from something when you walked in here this morning? It's okay. We're not, you don't have to stand up and say what it is. We're not going to embarrass you. Is there anybody who thought, I'll always do this? Yeah, that's, listen, trust me, there's more than you. But I'm glad you raised your hand. Is there anybody else? If there is, just raise your hand up where we can see it. If you came here thinking that you're always going to be this way, or this is just who I am, or I was born this way, or I've always done this, so I'm always going to, or this is just my struggle, my battle, fill in the blanks. Is there anybody else? Because we want to pray with you before we move on. Yeah, awesome. Anybody else? Come on. <laughs> hey, there, uh, listen. The, yeah, uh, listen, do not listen to me. Don't you dare. 
let who you were keep you where you are. Don't you dare spend one more day there when he spent his blood so that you could actually be free. Don't you stay in that place because he has so much better for you. It was for freedom that you were set free. Don't be enslaved again by a yoke of bondage to sin. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, you were set free. You're now a slave to righteousness. If you, for you to get enslaved again, you have to actually choose it and give yourself to it. It's no longer who you are. It's who you were. That's why you had to die. Jesus, the, the, the only one who started perfect. Death was the way out when he became sin. To be raised to new life, for sure. But he died and was risen to new life by the Spirit of God. So it says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, meaning what? He was dead. Why? Because the only way out from sin is death. That's why Jesus said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What's he saying? You have to die in order to live. If anyone would love his life, he must lose it. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it stays alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is it. You had to be born again. Why? Because you had to die to be free from who you were born. You were born into Adam. Now you're going to be born again into Christ. So if there is anyone, just stand up where you are. Like I said, we're, I promise you, this is, listen, this is not going to be an embarrassing thing. You don't have to tell anybody what it is. I, look, I, I know you raised your hand and you didn't know you were going to have to stand up. I'm just asking you this. Listen, if you won't admit it in front of these people, I promise you won't admit it out there. Right? Just would you be bold and just stand where you are so we can gather around you. This is a foundational thing that talks about, yeah, some people didn't even raise their hands or stand. Come on, don't let this moment go by. Please don't stay there. Jesus says that, you know, if you you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, that's what we're going to do right now is what we're believing in our heart is about to come flying out of our mouth. And there's freedom coming. Come on. Come on. I know that, yes. Come on. Not an emotional thing. This is a truth has come and I have to respond thing. Is there anybody else? Come on. Don't you let anything keep you in that seat. He died for you to be free. All of heaven is cheering you on. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses right now. They're saying, come on, you can do this. You can be free. He died. He paid for this. You deserve this. Don't settle for less. He spent his blood for you to be free. There's someone standing near you. Put your hands on them. Because what you have, you give. And we're all saying we're walking in freedom, not hindered by anything. So I want us to just put our hands, and this is all we're going to do, is this, is that the God of all truth would come right now and cement in your heart the truth that you were created for so much more than what you were born into. And it's time for that to go and for new life to come. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And the Spirit of God will come and touch that place right now. You just open up and let him. Because when we see him, we'll be like him. And I want you to see him shedding his blood for freedom in that area right now. I want you to see that, actually see that, see that he shed his blood for your freedom, for no condemnation, for no shame, no guilt. 
no longer entangled by your former lusts, which were yours. They were yours. They're not yours anymore. He paid a high price for you to be free from that. And I don't care if it was from the earliest day that you have a memory, you remember being that way. That was not who you were created to be. And he died so that you could become everything that was in his heart. And he spoke you and breathed you and knit you together in your mother's womb. Thank you, God, for freedom right now. In Jesus' name, for true freedom. I pray, God, that anything that they're trying to cover up, whether it's pain, shame, guilt, God, insecurity, whatever it is that's giving this a landing strip in their life, that you would come right now and just fill that with your presence, God, and show them that you're more than enough, that all they need is found in you, God. Jesus, would you just come right now and fill that place? We don't want to tell things to leave without filling it with truth. And here's the truth. That he's in you. And he's more than enough. He's our ever-present help, a strong tower, our righteousness, our defense. He's our healer. He's our justifier. He's our righteousness. He's our obedience. It's all in him. I thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.